Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we take a look at the area of the importance of the mental attitude of football players and whether Africa is too far behind in this area. These days, it's said that football is not just about the physical side, but that the mental side of things also determines how a player performs. I believe that 90% of, of, of professional football is played with the head, you know, and if your head is, in good, is a good place and you're in good shape mentally, then you can produce on the field. The views of an English coach here in Zimbabwe. But it's not easy for African players. There can be many challenges and distractions. We speak to Nigeria's Emmanuel Amunike. It might be difficult because most of them came from different backgrounds. Most of them came from the street to survive. But of course, I believe that no human being is short of knowledge. So that's coming up shortly. But first, it's a huge weekend in African football as the last three places for Africa at the 2018 World Cup will be decided. Nigeria and Egypt have already qualified. We'll find out who will be joining them. And we say well done to Widat Casablanca of Morocco, who became the champions of Africa at club level for a second time, winning the CAF Champions League final 2-1 on aggregate after a 1-0 home win over al Ahly of Egypt in Casablanca in the second leg. Widat became African champions for a second time. Their first title came 25 years ago, back in 1992. They picked up prize money of $2.5 million and go into the FIFA Club World Cup, representing Africa next month. What did you make of Widad's victory, Solomon? Well, Steve, I really feel it was uh, a great final, a typical North Africa derby. Not a game that a lot of people expected uh, the result to be, but uh, Widad obviously having the home advantage uh, played to, to their strength. Al Hali, obviously, for me, had more experience, better experience. In the second leg, they controlled the game for like 30 minutes. Uh, but what that did was they didn't allow them to use their spaces very well. They didn't allow them to get like, opportunities for counter-attack, which is what they're normally used to. And that also using that home advantage in the CAF Champions League, they won all their home games. The, you know, they remember they're the same team that defeated defending champions Mamelodi Sundowns out of uh, this year's CAF Champions League. So credit must really go to them. They're very technical side, both side, very not African-ish type uh, football we saw there. I, I, I really feel that they really do deserve uh, to win in a way, we're seeing a resurgence of Moroccan football. You know, we look, we're going back to the glory days of uh, Moroccan football, both uh, club sides and also uh, the national team. Yes, Morocco only need a draw against Ivory Coast this weekend to qualify for the World Cup and they're champions at club level in Africa with Widad Casablanca. We hope they will do well for the continent next month at the FIFA Club World Cup. Thanks for that, Solomon. Now, on the show this week, we're focusing on the area of the importance of the mental attitude of football players and whether Africa is too far behind in this area. These days, it's said that football is not just about the physical side, but that the mental side of things also determines how a player performs. Four-time World Cup winners Germany are seen as masters of handling pressure situations, and part of their success may well be due to their mental strength. 
Now, Mark Harrison is an English coach who played as a goalkeeper in England back in the 1980s. He's coached the Bangladesh national team and clubs in South Africa, Botswana, and here in Zimbabwe. Harrison won the Botswana title with Township Rollers last year and was then appointed technical director at South African side Barocca. He's now back in Zimbabwe and is technical director of Harare City in the Premier League here. And Harrison strongly believes that players here are lacking in mental strength. It is about mentality and it's about doing the right things, the professional things, uh, an implementation of those things on the training field on a day-to-day, off the training field, you know, use of psychologists, talking to the players, you know. Players are no different to everybody else. They have problems at home and sometimes they need help with those problems at home. So there's a lot of factors what go in into making a professional footballer, you know, and I believe that 90% of, the, of, of professional football is played with the head, you know, and if your head is in good, is a good place and you're in good shape mentally, then you can produce on the field. So you know there's a lot of factors I mean that Harare City brought me here was you know there's a lot of things that on that side of the of the football they want me to bring to the club and, and that's what we're working on as well so yeah the mentality has got to grow it has to grow the, the talent is there make no mistake it needs the talent needs educating coaching and also the mentality needs working on so that's English coach Mark Harrison, currently based here in Zimbabwe. And, uh, well, Solomon, Harrison says 90% of football is played in the head. Well, certainly when I was growing up and watching football in England back in the 1970s, I don't think that many people would have thought like that, but uh, it seems to be becoming more and more common. For example, South Africa coach Stuart Baxter decided to get the services of a sports psychologist ahead of their two World Cup qualifiers against Senegal. So when would you say that this emphasis on the importance of the mental attitude became widespread? For me, I I guess around the late 80s and early 90s, that was when we we saw, you know, the emergence of new, you know, ways of uh, science and the evolution the science brought and, the, you know, the measure of uh, football and science and also the commercialization of football uh, brought in a lot of uh, view about the importance of winning. And so there was a lot of ways that football teams and football players were looking for uh, ways to make sure that they they have a a mentality or a mental attitude that is going to help the team win. Yes, uh, and Stuart, as I mentioned earlier, Germany are seen as the masters of handling pressure situations. Uh, They rarely lose in penalty shootouts. So are they the best example of mental strength? I think you'd have to say that Germany are, because Germany's results in friendlies are not that wonderful. Compared to England, I think you might say England win as many friendlies as Germany do, but then England never do well in the big tournaments. And Germany seemed to have this ability to grind out the result when they need to. I mean, I remember watching them beating France 1-0 in the quarterfinal of the 2014 World Cup in Rio. And it wasn't an impressive German performance, but somehow you always felt they were going to grind out the result. And in the end, it was one of their central defenders who headed in a corner to win the game for them. And Germany just seemed to have this winning mentality, this strength. I think part of it may come from the consistency of management. Joachim Löw started off as their assistant manager with Klinsmann, and he has been there through two, three World Cups. And it's this continuity, this expectation that Germany are going to do it. 
I mean, I really don't know to what extent teams use sports psychologists. This is certainly which is something new, as you say, Steve, from the time when you started watching football. And some players really buy into that. Others, I think, less so. The kind of mental preparation, watching videos of yourself, having positive thoughts. I mean, I remember Trevor Francis when he played for Nottingham Forest under Brian Clough, the the great manager in the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, saying that before he went out, Clough always told him that he was better than the person who was marking him and said, you know, you go out and make his day miserable. Go out and have the game of your life. And sort of this building up the confidence of players is, is certainly part of it. Right, so that was giving the team an edge a long time ago. Now, Solomon, Mark Harrison there said that talent alone is not enough and that a strong mentality is also needed. But have we really realised this in Africa? In Africa, there's quite a lot of talent. I think Africa and South America are the two continents that have highest level of uh, talent, natural talent when it comes to uh, football players. But talent alone is not enough. And I quite agree with Mark Harrison. A strong mentality is, is also needed. How you approach a game uh, is important that you get everything right in your head. You might be talented and you go in there and uh, you're not disciplined or you go in there with uh, issues. You had a problem at at home in your relationship. You had a problem with your family. Uh, so that really affects you. So talent is not enough. Back in the days, in the 60s and 50s, when uh, football was played for just passion, uh, for just the passion and, and just for the love of the game, you know, talent could get you quite good results. But but today we live in a in a time when science has invaded football. Uh, science plays a big, big role in football. Uh, your mental attitude plays a big role. Um, but in Africa, we have not really realised that. Yes, I think we have a long way to go. Uh, There seem to be, to me, two aspects here. That's the mental strength on the field of play and also the mental strength to deal with issues off the field. And a typical African player has many distractions. Most are not paid well, so they have financial challenges. And many have extended family members to look after. And they have to handle the fame that comes their way and to use their money wisely. Well, here's Emmanuel Emenike. He scored the winning goal for Nigeria in the men's football tournament at the 1996 Olympics. Emenike played at the 1994 World Cup and his clubs included Barcelona. Well, as a coach, Emenike has been in charge of the Nigeria senior national team and the youth teams too. He explains a bit about the challenges that players face as they get into organised football structures. So the players, they have to behave in a professional way. They have to behave in a mature way. Players are human beings. And uh, whether we like it or not, okay, they are footballers, the way we call them here. But they are human beings. And they also need to be respected. They also need to be treated. So when we bring all these things together, then it helps the players. Their way of approach looks more mature, looks more organized, looks more responsible. I think these are the, the things we are trying to do. It might be difficult because most of them came from different backgrounds. Most of them came from the street to survive. But of course, I believe that no human being is short of knowledge. When you start to teach them, when you start to apply, initially it will be difficult. Uh, the level of assimilation with African players and European players are totally different because the European players from the age of six, they have started teaching them. So that's Nigeria great Emmanuel Amonike. Uh, so it's not easy, Solomon, for an African player to have the right mental attitude. 
Uh, African football players are the players that face a whole lot of challenges mentally uh, because of the kind of community they come from, because of the kind of family they come from. So it, it requires them to, to really concentrate. They're talented, but like uh, Amonike just said, you know, uh, each of these players is a, is a human being. First, we're all human beings, and they, you know, they're human, and they face problems and pressure and, and disappointments and failures and uh, self-doubt and self-esteem issues. Uh, and also, when you come from a family where you don't have anything, uh, your family couldn't send you to school. Like Amunike said, most of these kids grew up in the street and grew up in the street. You know, you get to pick a lot of attitude, mental attitude that are not correct. So, but when you have the talent and you join the team, now they, a lot of work needs to be done uh, for you to be able to have a great mental state. So you can combine that with your football skill and be able to deliver as an individual and also as a team player. Uh, we've seen that over the years and how that has affected uh, certain players, you know, not having the right mentality like Emmanuel Adebayo, the Togolese captain. You know, he had had a lot of problems uh, with his family. Uh, you know, it has affected him when he went to Real Madrid and now he's in Turkey. Uh, and, and it was all over the pages of the newspaper, you know, uh, where, where disagreements within family, you know, affected him, his performance. He couldn't score the goals that he needed to. And, and also, you know, there was a player, and that South African player, Jabu Pule, who was very, very talented, uh, grew up in the, in the streets and a very talented player for Kaiser Chiefs. And he had to move to Austria to play. But as soon as he arrived in Austria in a couple of months time, you know, he was caught, uh, you know, drinking and driving because he couldn't just have a mental state where, you know, as a footballer, there are certain things you cannot do and, and you have to be in the right state of mind for you to be able to deliver. The same thing with Nigeria. There is a player called Etim Essen back in the 1980s. A great number 10 player, uh, played for Lokoren in Belgium. Uh, but, you know, he had problems there and he had to, you know, he had to like run away from from Belgium, just the, the pressures and, and all that. And he never really achieved his potential, sadly. Uh, so there are quite a lot of players that we see uh, over the years that, you know, they have the talent and they have what it takes, but uh, they've not been able to deliver because there's quite a lot of issues now that affect them uh, mentally. And that is so sad because for African players, you know, we, we need to be able to get things right. Teams need to be able to see the importance of not just uh, picking talented players, but, you know, finding out what's what sort of background does uh, each player has and, and what can we do to help them uh, so they could be able to achieve uh, and, and fulfil their talent? Well, sad to hear those stories. Uh, thanks for that, Solomon. And uh, Stuart, outside of Africa, there are many examples too of players who haven't managed their lives well because of a lack of the right mentality. I mean, I think this is quite a difficult one because uh, George Best, for example, the Manchester United star in the 60s and 70s, was forever running off with a girl before a game, drinking too much afterwards. But he played brilliantly on the pitch. And some of his coaches said, well, we don't care what you do in your private life as long as you're performing on the pitch. Uh, these days, probably players are more closeted. They're more likely to be in a hotel the night before a game. I personally would probably tend to say that with a player like Best, you've got to have different rules for him if he's performing on the pitch. And I mean, Balotelli, perhaps, in the modern era, who, when he was at Manchester City, managed to set his house on fire because he thought he would set off some fireworks in his bathroom. Well, does that really matter if he plays well on the field? I think that managers should probably be working more with the mental side of playing than with how you live your life. Again, I mean, you can think of Maradona, 
who was the best player in the world at one stage, the Argentinian World Cup winner, but who finished up bloated from drugs and so on. You know, the fact that you are a good footballer doesn't necessarily mean that your life is going to be well organised in all respects. I mean, somebody gave me a great example of Ryan Giggs. When he got into the Manchester United team at the age of 17, you know, before that, he was employed by Manchester United as we used to call it a youth training scheme player. And he used to spend his afternoons working in the souvenir shop. Suddenly he gets in the first team, he plays really well, and he's mobbed everywhere he goes out in Manchester. And, you know, for that kind of situation, it's very difficult for a 17-year-old to cope with that. And so many of the top footballers found that their career took off at a very young age when they didn't have the life skills, emotional maturity to deal with it. And uh, perhaps at times we expect too much of the the 18-year-old. Again, another example, I remember when Wayne Rooney was playing for Everton at the age of 17. You know, he actually scored in the Premier League age 16 and he used to cycle to work. When he's 17, he's old enough to drive and he buys a car costing $50,000. So it's very difficult, though, I think, for Wayne Rooney to cope with that move from cycling to work like a normal 16-year-old to suddenly having more money than he'd ever dreamed of. And uh, I think perhaps the media likes to criticise players' lifestyle and perhaps we should focus more on what they do on the pitch. Thanks for that insight, Stuart. And uh, the idea of having a team psychologist is a relatively new one. In Africa, it's mostly the North African clubs that can afford a psychologist. Uh, But, uh, Stuart, uh, in European football, they are much more common. What exactly do the team psychologists do? Well, I mean, Steve, you're right. If you think back to the days when there used to be the manager and the trainer who would come on with the sponge, and that was really all there was. Now you have dietitians, you have sports psychologists, you have specialist fitness coaches, you know, every aspect is covered. And the psychologist will be helping with the mental preparation, helping players to be mentally stronger to develop, to handle pressure, to have in their mind exactly what they're going to do, to have positive images, and preparing in that way. And another interesting thing which has happened in English football is the number of clubs which have a chaplain. Now, more than likely a Christian chaplain, but other faiths are are not neglected. And just recognising that if a player is a believer in Jesus Christ, then to have somebody to help him, perhaps pray with him, before a game, will be part of the preparation uh, that he wants. To see that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then that is relevant to all of your life, including how you play your football. So, in some ways, at the moment, every aspect of a player's well-being is covered. Yeah, so things have really changed. 
Well, we'd love to know your thoughts on this on social media. Is lack of mental strength letting Africa down? We've heard about the importance of the mental side of things for football players to do well. But is Africa too far behind in this area? You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a message there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think? Is the lack of mental strength letting Africa down? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programmes too in our archive. And now we turn to social media. And last week on the show, we discussed whether football was better in the old days. In many countries around Africa, retired great players will tell you that football was so much better in their era than it is today. Uh, they might say too that as players, they were more committed and more entertaining, and that they would have gone further with the opportunities that African players have today. So we asked her, "How far true do you think that is?" On Facebook, Bakari Tamba in the Gambia says, "I disagree with that. Football today is more entertaining, and it's so lovely to watch the young, talented players." On WhatsApp, Medlove in the Gambia says the opposite. I want to agree that football in the old days was better, says Medlove, because then players had no option but to commit themselves and focus on the game without hoping for any financial reward. But we all know that conditions are not permanent, and although today football has been improved, players play more for the money than commitment to the game. Calvin Truth Jr. in Ghana agrees, saying, "I think it's true because in the olden days and in the videos I've watched, you can clearly see that the players were committed and naturally talented. As for today's players, they only play for money because in the olden days there wasn't as much money as today, and now we see players boycotting training because they've not been paid." Mamadou Torai in the Gambia says, "I agree because back then they were also more devoted. Then the masses didn't value football the same way as they do today." Uh, thanks for that, Mamadou.、Uh, John is in Ghana. He says, "For me, football in the old days was much more interesting than it is today."、Uh, John adds, "I strongly believe that if they had the chances that today's players have, they would have gone further than these players do now." Cherno Jallo in the Gambia is in no doubt whatsoever. Yes, yes, says Cherno. Football was better in the old days, I believe. Yes, I might be too young to remember the likes of Ebedi, Pele, Yakini, Jato, Sisse, and so on. But watching their videos tells you a lot about their generation. They had the resilience, the zeal, and the passion to play the beautiful game with little or no motivation compared to this generation of so-called soccer stars, says Cherno. However, Modu Pabi Baji, also in the Gambia, takes a different view. Well, I don't agree with that because football is much better now than in previous years due to the style of football and the development in sports, says Modu. And Balong Baji in the Gambia agrees with Modu. My take on this is that football now is much better than previously, says Balong. For the simple reason that it's much more entertaining, and we've discovered now some handy players, which is the beautiful part of it. And Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone also agrees. No way, says Jesse. That's untrue. 
Football these days is far better than in the old days. Then the opportunity of playing good football was not established. The game was not entertaining. Players were not paid well. And many people simply weren't interested in the game, says Jesse. But Mohamed I. Kinte in the Gambia does agree that the old days were better. Hello, Planet Sport Football Africa, and hi to all the listeners to this wonderful programme, says Mohamed. Well, thank you for that, Mohamed. And he continues saying, what an interesting topic. Yes, even though I didn't witness the olden days of football, but through watching the past events and the stories I heard, yes, football was much better in the olden days, as they were much more committed and entertaining than today, as this generation players are mostly playing just for the money. Karamba Dabo in the Gambia agrees, saying yes, it was better in the olden days, although I couldn't say much about that time with the likes of Abedi Pele of Ghana, George Weah of Liberia and others, but if you look at their video highlights, you see a lot of entertainment and commitment. But nowadays, before you reach 23 years old, you're already so rich, so players today don't care or worry about their football career like before. Interesting thoughts there, Karamba. And finally, Gemo is a Cameroonian living in the United States. Gemo says, I will say the way the game was played before was different and more physical as compared to modern football. For me, I enjoy watching the modern game, which is more tactical and entertaining. Players do have most of the power and money nowadays, which makes some of them too sensitive, and so they do complain a lot. Players before didn't have to deal with always being in the spotlight with cameras everywhere and critics from social media. And the way TV and radio cover the game today is all different. So I would not question their commitment because despite all these expectations, they still try to be focused and perform week in and week out, says Gemo. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. This week again, we're asking, is the lack of mental strength letting African football down? Uh, We talked about the area of the importance of the mental attitude of players and whether Africa is too far behind in this area. There are many challenges and distractions for African footballers, but do you think that the mental side of football is an issue on the continent? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, now to the English Premier League as we head into the international break with Manchester City eight points clear of Manchester United at the top of the table. Uh, Stuart, how much of a blow was Man United's defeat to Chelsea last Sunday? Manchester United's fixtures have been a bit curious because they started off with a load of easy games and they, they won sort of uh, six out of seven of those. Then come the tougher games and going to Chelsea was always going to be a difficult game and they lost it, which means that they are now eight points behind Manchester City. Over the entire season, it may not look so significant, but equally, Chelsea were coming off a 3-0 defeat in the Champions League, and you might have said that they haven't looked that impressive this year. Manchester United are desperately missing Pogba. They set themselves up really quite defensively. Lukaku didn't seem to do anything. And really, Manchester United didn't do enough, I would say, to suggest that they can overhaul Manchester City and actually win the league this season. They're doing well, they'll probably finish in the top four, but I don't think they're quite there with the squad of players they've got to win the league this year. 
Well, a challenge for Manchester United. So Man City beat Arsenal convincingly. How impressive is Manchester City's form this season overall, Stuart? Leaving aside the game in which Kyle Walker was sent off in the first half against Everton when they drew, Manchester City have won their previous 20 games where they played with 11 players. They now have an eight-point advantage at the top of the Premier League, which is the biggest after 11 games since Manchester United led the league in 1985 by that margin. And if you looked at the league table, it's eight points between first and second. But if you go from Brighton in eighth to Swansea in 19th, that's only seven points. So this is a massive lead. And, I mean, they've scored so many more goals than anyone else as well. And Guardiola's team have got the best points return from their opening 11 games since Tottenham won all 11 in 1960. So, you know, they're absolutely dominating. And it's just such a long time since anyone um, has had this kind of lead. So unless they implode, you just cannot see anyone catching them. Just a couple of comments on Arsenal. Arsenal conceded that penalty that Wenger wasn't happy with. And Arsenal have now conceded 12 penalties in the last season and a half, more than any other club. And uh, poor old Peter Cech has not saved any of them. One bright African thing to note was that Alex Iwobi played for the first 78 minutes of the game. He seems to be establishing himself more in the Arsenal team. At the other end of the scale, in more ways than one, Yaya Torre was an unused sub, and he is really struggling to get any game time at Manchester City at the moment. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart, and we'll hear from Alex Iwobi on the programme next week. That's it for this week, though. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a Passion for Sport production.